you are the father father of all creator and maker of all thank you lord that we give you honor as our father today and we bless you we praise you and worship you thank you for this time that you've ordained that we might have with you today and we thank you to make a good use of this time as we sit in your presence to hear what you have to say to us in jesus name amen 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 praise god Amen. So I was thinking about some things, just pondering, pondering, pondering in the Lord, pondering. Um, And uh, I was thinking about righteousness and how important that is to our uh, walk with God. And and, uh, it is an imputed righteousness. So and uh, so I was as I was meditating on it, the God began to show me some things. And he says, what's imputed cannot be disputed. Amen what's imputed cannot be disputed there is a difference between our own righteousness and the imputed righteousness of Christ in self-righteousness there are works that we can do we all if you are are self-righteous you think of things that you do or don't do and then you make up things that you think are good that you do and then you when you see other people violating that you judge them according to your standards amen so it's always stuff we're able to do in self-righteousness and and when we violate it we kind of skip over that part you know it's not like it didn't happen and uh and so when we realize the hypocrisy of that we get tired of it then we come to christ right for the imputed stuff that's real amen uh, in self-righteousness we do not fulfill the law of god we fall short of the law of god all of our righteousness the bible says is filthy rags it falls way short of what god wants eventually self-righteousness makes you a judge and not a doer you quit even trying because you see how foolish it is but you continue to judge others based on your standards and it does not please God and that's so important to know imputed righteousness I'll give you just some some notes that I made but we'll talk in depth about it as I as I share things with you but it's the work of one holy man it's it was it's his righteousness and with it he fulfilled the law and he has already been judged and pass the test of righteousness so it's an eternal righteousness it's not something that comes and goes and lifts and and all of that he walks in it continuously and it pleases God and we enter into it by obeying the law but the law of faith so there is a law that we we must do and that's believe God that's our part to do amen this belongs to God and not another amen this is God's total possession and so in in uh in God's imputed righteousness we understand that there are some very stark differences between us and God now a definition of righteousness and I'm I'm going to give you a brief definition first and then expand further on it it really means to be right 
And it means to be morally right. It means to have virtue. And virtue is what gives us strength to carry out the new covenant or the the, uh, work of God in the earth. It also means to be forensically right. One of my pet words, right? <laughs> forensic, the word forensic really it means to be, it, it, it relates to civil or criminal law. That word forensic refers to civil or criminal law. So the righteousness, imputed righteousness of Christ holds up to all forensic tests. So you will pass if you... <coughs> Abide in the righteousness of Christ. You pass all forensic tests against you. Amen. All judgments against you. So uh, it also means to clear oneself of something. To be righteous or to cleanse. It means moral rectitude. Also means prosperity. Righteousness, the Bible says, against righteousness there is no law. So poverty, if you, poverty is for the lawbreaker. It's a result of the broken law of God. And so when, when uh, a lack comes and poverty comes, it's related to the broken law, the curse of the law. And so when you're righteous, there's no law against you. So you just continue to increase, increase, and continue to prosper. <coughs> Another definition of righteousness means to be right or to be holy or meet, sufficient, right and holy. The righteousness of Christ belongs to people. It is given freely through the uh, gospel or the preaching of the good news, repentance from dead works and faith toward God. It's, uh, It's imputed when we please God. When we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths what Jesus Christ has done for us and repent of our sins. We, we have to agree with God to turn our back on sin. That's part of the covenant. You can't want that in God too. That's, that's not the work of the Holy Spirit makes it that that is the condition to enter into God's righteousness. You can't have both righteousnesses working for you at the same time. You must have one or the other. It's very common though with, with Christians to drop God's righteousness and pick up self-righteousness again that's the very common thing to do it's like um, you know forgetting so to speak that you have that available to you and you go back into your old little works like you always used to do you know that fear will cause that a lot of things will cause that but we're talking about the imputed righteousness of God we talked about the Abraham brand of righteousness Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him as righteousness that's in Romans 4 it's mentioned several times in the Bible so that that imputed righteousness concept through faith in God 
carries over from one covenant to the next because wherever faith is applied the law is is more or less made secondary and faith is the primary way to enter into covenant with God it's got to be a faith covenant there was also a a faith in the law and obedience to the law that came with Moses through the law of Moses we began to uh, God's rules and regulations and his heart was revealed to man it was revealed the character of God God keeps his own laws he keeps his own commandments and so when he says thou shalt not do all these things it's because your father shall not do all those things you know so it matches so that we know God's character and it was his desire that we would match his character in every way then we come into the new covenant where the Abraham brand of faith is is given to us as an inheritance through faith in Jesus Christ so we go back to believing God and it's imputed to us as righteousness works of the flesh and sin interrupt the flow of righteousness in our lives anytime you lose faith in God God you know Jesus would catch the disciples doing something fleshy and he said oh ye of little faith we know that faith wavers it can be withdrawn from situations and people even depart from the faith and so faith because it is needed to be invested in God for righteousness to be imputed to us comes as more of a condition for righteousness but it is not itself righteousness faith is different because faith can be placed wherever you desire to place it it's not the same thing faith in God it gets you imputed righteousness and so we have to make a little bit of a distinction there uh, because people think because they have faith that's everything you know it's been so uh, it it was so important for us to understand the role of faith in the Christian life that I think we kind of drop some other things in trying to understand faith to death you know what I'm saying it's just like we worked it over so many times that we've gotten kind of mired down in faith being everything and so faith but righteousness is what brings us everything that we need because God recognizes it as his very essence and there's no judgment in God against himself and so that's why it's so important to have that imputed to us belief in God we said imputes righteousness to us and thereby uh, the grace to obey the leading of the spirit is given to us so then your thoughts will be righteous your way will be righteous your way will be in accordance and obedience to the word of God and the will of God and that's why when the word is sown the enemy comes immediately to pluck it up out of your life because he wants to obscure the way of righteousness he wants to make it hard for you uh, to obey God and put stumbling blocks in your way that's why it's good to have an intercessor Uh, the Bible says that Jesus told Peter Satan has desired to have you to sift you like wheat but I prayed for you that your faith would not fail so that your faith 
can always be placed back over into God again. You can come by way of humbling yourself to God, repenting of your unrighteous thoughts, deeds, whatever, and just move right back into the imputed righteousness. Job talked about it. He said, I wear righteous as a garment. Or is that in Job 29? It's the first instance I think we have of understanding the imputed righteousness. Job had probably the oldest covenant of anybody we know in the Bible. It's always been by faith in the atonement. See where did I write that one down? I know I wrote it. Yeah, what did I write it on? <laughs> I think it's Job chapter 29. He said, I wear rights. Oh, 29.14. There we go. He says, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. Huh? So there you see an imputed righteousness. It wasn't a self-righteousness. He says my judgment was as a robe and a diadem. So he was saying that when God looked upon him it was like a robe and a crown or a jewel and and not something that was unclean. This is in response to his little friends who thought they were helping him by condemning him to stay sick for a long time. And so we see that, that righteousness, imputed righteousness, that concept is a very old concept among the people in their dealings with God. People who are honest understand that they cannot please God in and of themselves. The minute they try to do right they wind up doing wrong and have wrong thoughts about things and so we must rely on uh, the grace of God which which graces us with that imputed righteousness is just placed upon us to wear as Job said like a robe. The word impute really means the substitute of something for that which is missing. So we we must confess and recognize that we are missing righteousness. So one thing we cannot manufacture, you can't fool God and you can't fool yourself. So it means to substitute something for that which is missing or to ascribe to something or ascribe something to someone or to lay it to someone's charge. You, you charge it to them. To set to their account. Now when we come to Christ. Romans 10.10 tells us. That with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Uh Now how do we know (laughs) that that's happened? Well you, you personally know in many ways. Sometimes we we can sense the witness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will witness to the things that are approving to God or things that line up with God's word. I had the opportunity to uh, pray with someone yesterday uh, and lead them to Christ. And the person was, you know, we were out 
in the open and oftentimes people uh, get a little embarrassed and and he was trying to make jokes and so forth and so on and when he was saying well I thought I think when you go to when you die you just go in the ground I said no you know better than that I said there's a heaven and there is a hell and he said yeah I know I said well which one do you want to choose I said you only got two choices he said I'm choosing hell and started laughing about it and then he changed he you know dropped his head down and I said are you ready to receive the Lord Jesus Christ I said God didn't send me here to pray with you so you to go to hell I said we don't pray for people to go to hell I said if you want to go to heaven I will pray with you to receive Jesus into your heart and he repeated after me and as he began to speak the Holy Spirit began to come and hover over the conversation as a witness that he was sincere in his heart you got me people can say a lot of goofy things to you and can talk off the top of their heads for things but when it comes to matters of the heart God is the only one who knows and can attest and can witness and verify the things of the heart now you might say well you know maybe the Holy Spirit uh uh-uh. he has he will let the minister know what he's witnessing to He, he is not the author of confusion. You see what I'm saying? It's like many times people will say, well I know God was, was, was wanted me to do that because he was, you know, and I said, well did he tell you that? And they'll think about it. Well, no, I just assume, well you can't do that. You have to ask God what he's witnessing to. What is he witnessing to? And so he witnesses what's in the heart. Because that was my question in my heart. Is this a sincere confession, God? Because this man saying he wants to go to hell. But he seems sincere in the bowing of his head and the confession. And that came from his heart because, you know, with people milling around, anybody would be nervous and confused and try to be cool but the Holy Spirit knows to come in on your cool and interrupt your cool and get down to where you live in your heart and he confessed that he had been wanting to get back to church didn't get back you know after that then all of the confession (coughs) confession comes you understand what I'm saying but you have to have a a relationship in righteousness yourself with God to know what's essential for people to what really constitutes a true salvation you know is it just getting people to repeat things or God is there a way that we can be assured as ministers of the gospel that we have valid valid uh, conversion and valid confession of Christ and so we'll know these things because Romans 10:10 says for with the heart man believes unto righteousness that's what you want to to be established you want to preach enough gospel to people so that they will get that desire in their heart for God and when they decide that they're going to believe God then that they're believing to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation there have been people I've talked to over the years and I said uh, that our little friend down in in Cleveland at the car wash, we call her Cupcake, but that's what she calls everything. Hey, Cupcake you know (laughs) hey cupcake and so we call her cupcake but anyway she's she uh i 
was talking to her sitting down in the sanctuary once and talking to her and she's always mad at everybody you know and I'll, I'll say well can I get you some coffee I want a Pepsi well you never have Pepsi it's always Coke or something else I don't want that I want a Pepsi but you know she's a little hard one you know this is ungrateful all the all the uns but you know if you you take time to let God move you you know you can see what people need and so I was asking her one time I I said have you ever ever asked Jesus into your heart and she said uh-uh I said really and she said I said what do you know about Jesus he the savior of the world and he came to save men for them from their sins I said well what do you do you think that what do you think that means she said mm. and I said well that means that you can go to heaven and live with him if you'll if you'll pray and ask him into your heart he lives in there I said and you'll go to heaven and be with him and so forth and she said say what <laughs> I said nobody ever told you that no but see that's a condition see that's why we got to preach the gospel you know you can't assume people know the right things because if they really do see the devil will tell you everything else you need to know about him except what's going to help you what what's what's the real information God wants everybody to know about Jesus and he'll try to keep that from people if he can and so we take these opportunities folks to make sure that people understand and follow this Romans 10.10. The believe in their heart unto righteousness. They'll never believe uh, unto righteousness unless they know the real truth about Jesus. So what he can do for them personally. And then confess it. <clears throat> with their mouths and so that's the the way to salvation that's the way to everything in God is believing in your heart the truth that you hear and then speaking it out of your mouth in the form of a prayer request confession affirmation whatever it is that God can can use this mechanism to impute righteousness to us and to help us maintain righteousness uh, in him when we sin and stray from God we use the same method believe into righteousness oh God I see that that wasn't right I shouldn't have done that I shouldn't have flipped off and told Miss Juana off <laughs> I just did it last week How do I, you understand what I'm saying I mean just an example of something ridiculous but think of all the things that we do over and over again and then righteousness is imputed to us again when we have that blood bath that, that blood that covers that the shed blood and renewing that in our covenant and so when we have that relationship with God it must be maintained if righteousness is to be maintained by us many times people get caught up in sin because they put that aside you know they just get sloppy uh, in their their walk I was uh, just driving down the street with someone and it was a young person a young man and they were driving Miss Daisy of course and um, you know we just to show you how easy it is to get drawn off of of righteousness and right thinking and right understanding but we drove past a bunch of young women you know sinners shorts barely that you know and all these legs going of course young men look 
you know. And I've thought about that. I said, boy, that's just, just how easy it is to get drawn off. And then in your heart, you, you, you should say to yourself, you know, God, I shouldn't do that. You know, I'm, I'm, forgive me. I've offended you. And what Jesus said, if you look with lust in your heart at any woman, you've, you've disobeyed the law. And so you must keep that law fresh. You must keep yourself fresh. That's why people go off into sin. Because they don't do the necessary things to keep right relationship and right fellowship with God. And so God wants us to walk in this righteousness that's freely given to us. He wants us to enjoy it, folks. He wants us to partake of the blessings and benefits of this covenant of imputed righteousness. So I was reading <coughs> reading this and I, I found some interesting notes. If you guys will bear with me for a little bit, I'll just read these to you. And if you find something interesting in it, Take a few notes, but uh, this is from a um, uh, gentleman who uh, has a ministry, uh, and he they transcribe all their sermons. And some people are real good at at writing down sermons and notes and things. I appreciate that because they can oftentimes, uh, through their gifts, they can work out difficulties in thought and application in things for Christians that are are necessary. And he's talking about the doctrine of imputed right. Righteousness without works. At me. And he says, This righteousness is not man's obedience to the gospel as a new or milder law. And he's, this is an argument that he's having about how some people perceive the new covenant versus the law of God. He said, The scheme of some persons, if I apprehend it right, is this that Christ came into this world to relax the old works of the law or the old law of works and to mitigate and abate the severities of it and to introduce a new law, a gospel law. A law of milder terms, a remedial law, the terms and conditions of which are faith, repentance, and sincere obedience, which though imperfect is through Christ and for the sake uh, and for his sake accepted of in the room of perfect righteousness. And or, in other words, he's saying that this is some type of idea that people have, that the new covenant is somehow easier then the old is kind of relaxed in the way God sees it. He says the whole of the scheme is entirely false. For in the first place Christ came not into the world either to destroy or relax the law of God. But to fulfill it. Which he did completely by his active and passive obedience to it. He fulfilled every jot and tittle of the per- perceptive part of the law which required a holy nature and perfect obedience both which were found in him he bore the whole penalty of the law in the room instead of his people all its exactions requirements and demands were answered by him all its severities were executed on him he was not spared or abated anything and hereby he magnified the law and made it honorable so in other words it's not this not that the law of God was was flawed faulty it just it couldn't be carried out it was perfect and it was glorious so he made it honorable he indeed freed his people from the curse and condemnation of it but has neither it has not either abolished or relaxed it 
but keeps it in his own hands as a rule of life and conversation to them and has left it in its full mandatory cursing and damning power over others without the least mitigation relaxation or infringement of it in other words if you don't accept Christ you will suffer the penalty of the broken law moreover the gospel is no new law it is no law at all but there is nothing of it that looks like a law it is called the gospel of the grace of God because it is a discovery see? the new the gospel is why it's news it's a discovery of the exceeding riches of God's grace in his kindness to lost man through Jesus Christ and it's called the gospel of our salvation because it reveals the savior and it gives an account of the person office and grace in the great salvation he has wrought out and points out the persons who shall share it and be everlasting possessors of it uh, as the word gospel signifies good news or glad tidings he says now what is there either in name or thing that looks like a law the gospel is no other than pure promise a free declaration of peace and pardon righteousness life and salvation to poor sinners by Jesus Christ and so he talks about righteousness then and I'll share some things that he talks about about the the uh, properties of righteousness so we'll get that separated from faith from law from works and we're talking about something that's imputed or placed upon your account placed toward you and placed upon you to replace something that was missing or something that was weak so <clears throat> righteousness here it is a law honoring and justice satisfying righteousness it honors the law and it is uh, uh, satisfying in its justice therefore God is well pleased with it is well pleased with his righteous for his righteousness sake because he has magnified the law and made it honorable the law is made more honorable by Jesus Christ's obedience to it than it is by the, the obedience of all angels in heaven or than it could be by all God's people on earth supposing their obedience was never so perfect. The reason is because of the greatness of his person he being God as well as man who obeyed and wrought out a righteousness which is also such a one as justice can find no fault with but is entirely satisfied with in other words justice is satisfied with what Jesus did satisfied and in which God's people appear even in the eye of justice unblameable and unreprovable so that when we sin God continually offers to us mercy he offers to us repentance and pursues us to bring us back to right standing with him you got me you can't wear righteousness and sin at the same time this has messed a lot of people up there are people who who have gone on sinning in 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 weakness you know people who take drugs habitually people who drink alcohol habitually and will make the mistaken notion that God is winking at what they do but he's never winking at sin you understand me he still has justice because Jesus fulfilled the law he still has that law in him by which he judges everything 
The only thing is with covenant, he's bound by his covenant in mercy. His mercy endures forever and pursues us with that to bring us back to him, believing more in that covenant that he has made with us that if that one time confession was sincere on our part and we received righteousness in our hearts that that can be renewed by him through the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. This righteousness is perfect and complete and acquits from all sin and condemnation. Those who are interested in it are let me see perfectly let me see it says, says here perfectly comely through the comeliness which is put upon them they are complete in Christ the head of all principality and power they are justified by his righteousness from all things from which they could not be justified by the law of Moses they are freed from all guilt of sin that's where people get into trouble because they don't experience that sting of guilt you get conviction but you don't get guilt you can go to God and say God I've done wrong and you walk right back in your righteousness again and they are not under obligation to punishment and shall not enter into condemnation their sins are now covered and hid from the eye of divine justice and when they are sought for hereafter shall not be found your sins and iniquities I remember no more it is the righteousness of God and so serves for many it has been only by the righteousness of a creature if it had only been by the righteousness of, of a creature it would have been of no use and service but to the creature who is the author of it but being the righteousness of God it is it is free to all who will believe amen so many are made righteous by it even all the elect of God and the seed of Christ it is an everlasting righteousness our right our righteousness is both imperfect and of a short continuance and don't we know that tried to be good for two days and had a wrong thought and felt bad about it (laughs) but Christ's righteousness will abide forever it is a garment that will never wear out or wax old it is a righteousness that will last our lives be of service at death appear fresh at judgment and will answer for us in time to come and and give us an abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ it is a better righteousness than Adam had in innocence and this is what we need to understand you know when people are accused they want to I didn't do anything they want to be innocent you know but having imputed righteousness is better than innocence you can only be innocent one time after you mess up there's no more innocence is there he says it's a better righteousness than Adam had in innocence or the angels now have in heaven Adam's righteousness was the righteousness of a creature Mm -hmm. but this is the righteousness of God this was that was losable and was actually lost wasn't Adam's righteousness lost kicked out of the garden because of one act of disobedience for God made man upright 
but he sought out many inventions in seeking which uh, which he uh, in seeking which he lost his righteousness but Christ's righteousness can never be lost it abides forever Amen. the same may be said of the righteousness of angels which at best is but a creature righteousness and might be lost as it was by a large number of them man a third of them and might have been by the rest had it not been for confirming grace from Christ Christ's righteousness may well be called the best robe for it is such a one as Adam never had on his back in innocence nor the angels now have in glory so just to know what your righteousness is in Christ and how important it is to not take it for granted not uh, uh, be lax in it but also to understand the strength and the power of it as uh, a, a justifier for us against the condemnation of the devil and the accusation of the devil because that's where righteousness will do its its greatest work I think with us because the devil's tends to like to lay claim to us again after we've been set free from the uh, from his sin and from his death and so in in understanding what God has prepared for us we need to understand how God justifies us and we maintain our righteous standing so in Isaiah 54 if you'll turn there I'll show you this and then one more example of of what what we need to understand God's provision for us. In 1 Peter 2:23, I'm going to show you that first because Jesus being the author of this righteousness and the author of this salvation gave us an example here of what to do when the accusation of the enemy comes toward us and this really was the accusation of the whole world heaped against one man it says in 1st Peter 2:22, it says 21 for even hereunto were you called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps who did no sin neither was any guile found in his mouth or deception found in his mouth who when he was reviled reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him that judges rightly who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed so Jesus shows us this pattern when we're accused if the enemy accuses you reviles you you don't give him back what he gave you you don't retaliate says when he was reviled and accused he just toughed it out suffered it but he committed it to the father see all things have to be committed to the righteousness of God for judgment for the final say in things so in Isaiah 54 it talks about an inheritance that we have and this is the imputed righteousness and what it actually does for us in times of trial and in times of accusation Isaiah 54 in verse 9 he says for this is as the waters of Noah to me 
This is an everlasting covenant promise. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no longer go over the earth. Now this is a sure promise. You see that rainbow? You can take that rainbow to be a substitute for what God says right here. It's, there's a rainbow over this scripture. He says so have I sworn that I will not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Why not? Because the, the death of Jesus has satisfied. God is satisfied by the punishment that was borne by his son. He is satisfied that we're okay as, as long as we have confessed and, and have faith in him. He said for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed but my kindness shall not depart from you neither shall my covenant the covenant of my peace be removed saith the Lord that has mercy on you so this is how the the Christian who is kind of a sloppy walker in God can sense that it's okay to sin you know what I'm saying that God's not really looking at that you know it'll shock you you talk to people who are who are bound in their flesh you know thinking God's winking at it thinking they'll get away with it forever that's how many of our leaders wind up uh, in, in, in moral decline because they for some reason they've gotten so far over into the law you know what I'm saying you don't have grace to sin folks you don't have you don't it, Bible says where sin abounds grace abounds much more in other words if you're steeped in, 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 in sin in your life God will go after you much more to pull you back out of it are you kidding me but he wants you out he's not the lighting in, in his kids playing in the mud if you dressed your kids up nice on Sunday you wouldn't feel good if they went outside and played in the mud well this is worse you know you, you're binding the, the body of Christ to that of a harlot this is nonsense and so he says that his covenant will not be removed he still has a covenant with you that if you will come back to him he will come back to you be a break just humble yourself and this is a picture of true humility in Jesus that when he was accused this man had done no sin no wrong no nothing and they're heaping all this accusation and he says nothing he expects us to do the same because that's the way to get your imputed righteousness to work he says oh you afflicted tossed with tempest and not comforted behold I will lay stones with fair colors etc etc this is a rebuilding and a restoration of his body with the best of things he says and all your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children in other words he wants you to teach him about him <laughs> you know people look at that and say, oh, they right. right get busy in righteousness you shall be established man you shall be far from oppression one of the reasons people are oppressed is they're stepped out of righteousness they've over into something stupid doing something goofy for you shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you Hmm? the way you can know the enemies worked on your mind is that you have the oppressive 
feelings and you feel fearful you just you've stepped away from God behold they shall surely gather together but not by me he said I don't send stuff like this after my kids I don't send the oppressor I don't send terror I don't send either that he said whoever shall gather against you will fall for my sake because of my righteousness that I still want to hold you in and I still hold you in he says behold I have created the smith that blows the coals in the fire and brings forth an instrument for his work and I have created the waster to destroy no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment you shall condemn this is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord why not because you didn't do nothing bad not because you do everything better than sister Juana who's sitting over here and look at her not because of you comparing yourself with anybody but because of the imputed get under the law of the imputed righteousness he says your righteousness is of me saith the Lord yeah, I was <clears throat> very early in my walk with God. I was uh, friends with a couple of ministers, uh, a minister friend that, um, and we would go over to his church sometimes, and you know they had prayer at his church and things of that nature, and and uh, we were. This was when we were uh, over at. We had our ministry started over at another church. And God was beginning to move the ministry out because we had lost favor with the pastor. You know, he started to find fault with everything. And, you know, you know these things are not going to work forever, but you don't know when that's going to happen. And I had mentioned it to this other minister when we went for prayer. And uh, he just got, he seemed to get defensive, you know, kind of like a little angry about it. And he said, well, he's still the pastor. He's still a pastor and all this kind of stuff. And so I just didn't mention it to him anymore and so I went to the Lord I said well Lord I don't want to take anything from this man I said if I'm wrong I said you know just correct me I said but I want to make sure that I'm not doing anything to undermine him and to do anything wrong I said I'm angry about it I said and I want you to to heal me and to help me with this and so uh, when I uh, we were going back to the that church for prayer that night and the minister started in again and he but before he he said anything to me I was sitting on a pew and Pastor Shirley was with me and a couple other probably Nola you know some of the some of the beginners and as I was sitting there and he came to speak something to me defensive and negative like I had before he dropped on his knees and he said well God I'll bless her and and God said that's the power of the blood and he showed me this scripture he said every tongue that rises," he said and it's because you came to me and commended it to me the way your my son did when he was accused he reviled not but he commended it to the father he said you let me handle this he said in this you're not trying to defend yourself against him see there's a high level court and there's a low level court when you stand in imputed righteousness you appeal to the highest level court that there is to appeal to when you try and argue with people and defend yourself you're on a low level 
even even in the natural you know you can uh, i was watching uh some court show judge judy or somebody like that and she's always got these messed up people say they've loaned some boyfriend money and it was a gift and while they were going together the, the money wasn't a problem not that he breaking up and got somebody else she wants it's a, it's a loan now it's a gift before so anyway they bring up all kinds of things and one of the things i noticed that she'll tell them is that well if you have a grievance with that this court is not equipped to handle that grievance you have to take that to this court over here i can only handle what i am empowered by the law to handle when you belong to god and you have his imputed his imputed righteousness because yours was not good enough and you admitted that don't go on the lower court level and start trying to defend yourself against the accusation of the enemy it will never work you have to commend these things to the higher court which is the father and say father I don't know if I'm right or I'm wrong I don't know if this is good or bad but you search my heart and you tell me what I'm to do in this situation and once you give it to him you plead the blood this is how you plead the blood the blood then comes and begins to talk for you to those people and that's what God showed me with that gentleman he said he started arguing against my blood he said because my blood covered me it covered you he said when you told me that you wanted me to settle it and you humbled yourself to me and didn't know if you were right or wrong but I told you to utter not a word he said I told you I would speak for you he said and I speak through my blood he said it speaks better things it spoke your righteousness to him it spoke that he couldn't lay an accusation to your charge it spoke that you were covered see with us folks it's not a matter of who's right and who's wrong that's a lower court issue in fact that's the lowest court accusation is the lowest court that a believer can get involved in don't get involved in it don't get involved in it commend these things to the father humble yourself to him tell him father if I need straighten me out because if I'm wrong here I want to be right before you I'll apologize to so and so I'll do what I need to do to make it right with my brother but I want you to undertake for me and he settles these things for us folks he settles these things for us and so it it was a kind of a struggle I thought it was a little amusing at first and I wondered what was going on and God said he said every he said and I told you every tongue that rises up against you in judgment and I saw one translation that says will bow to you you got me because of his righteousness folks this has nothing to do with me right wrong that whole thing was taken up by God you see you give that thing over to him you let him handle it what he tells you to do and instructs you to do you go do if he says go make it right you go make it right if he says you go apologize you say buy him a dinner buy him clothes buy him a dress you go do that 
But you give it over to him and then the imputed righteousness covers you like a robe and the blood begins to testify on your behalf. The blood testifies what he did for you. The blood tells them who you are. The blood tells them what what uh, what God says he will do for you. It, it's just that simple. And so when, when you face these accusations and many times we face them in the secret place. Sometimes the devil hammers you up up one side and down the other. They're trying to put you in condemnation. Trying to make you uh, disconnect from the love of God. Trying to make you believe that you're not worth anything. Trying to make you believe that God doesn't want to do anything for you. You have to go to God and, and commend these things to him. And let him know that you're struggling with this. And, and he will come uh, for you and he will come uh, on your behalf. So God is the one who controls all of these forces. He says I created the waster to destroy. Amen. Verse 16. He said when they gather together it won't be my doing. He says just check this out. He said I'm the one who created the smith that blows the coals in the fire. And brings forth an instrument for his work. And I've created the waster to destroy. And no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you will condemn. This is your inheritance. This is what I've laid up for you. This is what I've stored up for you. You just do what I tell you to do. You be my son. You be my daughter. You be who I called you to do. be. And, and that righteousness is of me. And there's no fighting my imputed righteousness. It's my righteousness that they're attacking. And it's not you anymore. But it's me. And so God will win every single time. So if you turn to Romans chapter 8. <coughs> My prayer is that you stop taking junk from the devil and and nonsense, you know, and and quit being offended when when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. God comes to bat for you. This is not something that that God takes lightly at all. In Romans chapter 8 and verse, I think it's in the 30s. We'll start in 34. In 30 it says whom he did predestinate he also called talking about God and, and how your life with God is planned by God. This is this is all laid up for you. It's you know God's not in this on a, a blow by blow situation, just making it up as we go along. He's already ordered your steps aright. And he says, "What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us?" It says, "He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him with him with him with him you're in Christ also freely give us all things there's a difference between receiving from God and taking on our own we got to know the difference not me he will freely give us all things things of God come to us as an inheritance and in a way that you can enjoy it you can enjoy all of it he says who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect who can lay God's already imputed righteousness to your charge so how's somebody else going to come and lay something else on top of that the apostle Paul was talking about 
how he was being persecuted and, 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 and the enemy tried to separate him from the love of God. You know once you get some goofy idea in your mind that God's not being fair to you. And you start measuring what other people have and thinking you're supposed to have that. And why don't you have that? Why doesn't it work for me? You're messed up already. People don't catch these things when they're just errant thoughts. Then the Bible say we're to cast down imaginations and every high thing. But see we entertain them. We consider them. And oftentimes embrace them as, an, you know, as a way to excuse where we're at like we don't have to be responsible for it. You know, I think it's the worst thing for believers to not, not embrace everything that's a part of their life and find a way to deal with it. We don't have to shy away from things. We don't have to back away from You don't have to be afraid to face anything or confront anything in God. You confront confront all of that stuff. Many times when we we're accused by the enemy, we start getting in the blame game. When it, you know, we, and people in the world don't even accept that anymore. You know, Doctor Phil. You know, he don't pe- put people on the couch. He sits them right up there in them chairs and tells them, "Look, you did this, 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 and this, and this is why your kids mad at you." <laughs> you know, he can't say it was because of your poor upbringing or you didn't have this or you didn't have that. You know, people try to use that as a defense when court, you know, you see all these gang bangers and and they want to say, well, it's because they don't have dads. If you, if that was your spawn, would you want to go claim it? They got black all over their arms and pierced everything and everywhere. Dad is running for his life, man, if he got a brain. But anyway, oh, you can laugh. Whatever, it's Father's Day. Have a good laugh. Thank God your kids aren't tattooed all over and don't know who their father is. You let them know who you are in their lives. So, But anyway, I see you're not in a humorous mood today, so we'll just move on. Whatever. <laughs> it's okay. I, you know, hey, whatever. I don't care. Dead bees. You lose your sense of humor in this life, boy. You're, and the Bible said, Mary hires like medicine. Don't make yourself sick. Don't make yourself sick. <laughs> Don't make yourself sick. Alright, so in Romans 8, where were we at? 33. Alright. So he says, He spared not his own son, delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? God's the one who justifies us. Justification really is the striking of the gavel. One time. Bam. Huh? You're, you're fine. You got me? You're justified. It's, it's a one time decree. And it comes really as a, a part of your born again experience. And most of us know that justification thing because we feel that we're all right with God. It, it gives you that sense of being all right with God. And so he says, who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea rather that is risen again, who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And this is very important. Because if Christ were just alive and we alive in him, we'd have to go through life not having the mercy extended to us that intercession can bring into our lives. So he knows how to pray for us, when to pray for us. 
us and what to ask God for for us because he's a high priest that has walked in our ways already he understands what it is to live on earth and that makes him a perfect high priest and so when Jesus is praying for you know that mercy is being extended to you know that God's grace is upon you to step out of wherever you're at over into uh, the will of God again whatever it it is that you need um, to get promotion when it's due you and not be held back all those things come uh, through Christ's intercession for us so so always remember uh, that he's praying for you so God justifies us so whenever the accusation of the enemy comes it comes to separate us from the love of God verse 35 who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness huh not having money not having people fall out with God about money quicker than they do about almost anything you know and love Jesus and want to serve God but if they're not taken care of and that's why God is so so merciful to us many times to take care of our needs he always has somebody to bless us with something and in 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 those kinds of things because he knows these things can separate us he intends to take care of us and he intends to care for us and he says as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter so there's much persecution against us there's much accusation against us but he says no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and he says because I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present things to come height death nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord so that imputed righteousness will work for us all the days of our lives all the days of our lives you know even through deception sometimes I've seen people dealing with this accusation of the devil where they they want to go back into the blame game you know they want to they want to defend themselves and and uh, speak up for themselves and right and wrong gets to be such an issue to people you know and and God will mercifully just deliver them out of that web of mental torment that the devil puts you in it's it's best to release these things to God you understand what I'm saying just don't get involved in that uh, nonsense with the devil accusing excusing it's because of this it's because of that I didn't get enough of this I didn't get all that old stuff that we said was nailed to the tree when we came to Christ but now we pull it down as an excuse for why we don't want to accept God's way of doing things but we have to accept his way folks his way is the best way and if we will do that nobody will be able to lay a charge to us got me all sins forgiven all mistakes covered everything even David said how how blessed is the righteousness blessed is the man whose sins are not accounted to him anymore see 
And you can know that love of God. You can know that place in God. But but we have to stay close to God on this. You can't go straying around here and playing around in the flesh. And you you know you like little sinner friends and talk to them all kind. You can't do that kind of stuff. And still have a good conscience before God and not have left charges be laid to you. You mess around in mud long enough and you'll feel guilty, you'll feel condemned, you'll feel all the things that sinners feel until you repent and come back and let the blood begin to speak on your behalf. The blood is your best defense, folks. You can't defend yourself. Forget that nonsense. You know, just tell the devil, my sins are forgiven. Do you know my sins are forgiven, devil? Just let me tell you something about me. Let me tell you something about me. And I don't have to sit here and defend myself against you trying to pull me back into your web that the blood of Jesus paid to get me out of. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going there. not going to strive with my brother. I'm not going to strive with people at my job I'm not going to strive with anybody I told somebody I said you know when I was a kid for years if I got angry at somebody I would just clam up and I realized God told me he said because I've called you to preach and you need to be careful about your words you don't need to sit there and, and try to think about something to spout off at per somebody to get the last word so I made a vow to the Lord I said you know what God I don't have to have the last word on anything in fact I don't even have to speak for myself I'll let you do the talking for me but I will commend these things to you with a pure heart I don't want to retaliate against nobody I don't want to see nobody get theirs I let God judge in these situations let him judge because if you show mercy he will show mercy toward you and things will go well with you because your savior is there for you at all times amen well father in heaven we thank you for allowing us understanding amen he's a good god understanding is so very important lord it's so important for us to understand what we have how to stay in it how to get the benefit from it how to have it maintained in our lives so we thank you Lord for blessing us with the knowledge of imputed righteousness through your son Jesus Christ we commend everything to you Father you're the just and righteous judge we humble ourselves to you that you might raise us up in everlasting power and righteousness in Jesus name amen praise God if anybody needs prayer come on up and I'll pray for you praise God